Managing Editor of City Limits, um, and I'm here with Jared Murphy, our Executive Editor, um, to do a little check-in about some of the big coverage this week. Um, today that we're having this conversation is Thursday morning, um, so two days after the 2020 election. And obviously there are still a lot of unknowns as of Thursday morning. Um, we're hoping to maybe get some news today uh, regarding the big race, uh, the presidential race. Um, but Jared, you were out and about on election day um, here in New York City, visiting some of the poll sites with other members of our staff. Um, maybe you could just tell us, um, what were you looking for um, in terms of uh, the big races? Obviously the presidential race, um, we're still waiting to see what's gonna happen with that. But there were a number of races here in New York City that have uh, that were pretty competitive and have some significance and we saw some surprises. What were you keeping an eye out for um, heading into Tuesday? Well, I spent the day uh, on Staten Island, which is obviously the city's most Republican borough, even though it does have a Democratic advantage, uh, because there were a few races centered around Staten Island that were really interesting. And other, as you know, other city limit staffers spent the day there and in Southern Brooklyn too, which covers frankly some of the same districts. Uh, obviously the, the headline race there was the Max Rose, Nicole Aliotakis congressional race, uh, a fascinating race, fascinating dynamics to that race, obviously part of the wrestling match over control of the House nationwide. But also there was a state uh, Senate race in Southern Brooklyn that was really interesting. And because of the Trump phenomenon really and the amount of support for Donald Trump on Staten Island, a couple of other races that I thought were interesting was uh, the, the 62nd and 63rd, uh, sorry, 63rd and 64th assembly districts, which are kind of the two flanks of the island. Um, the 64th is the district that Nicole Mayotakis decided to give up to run for Congress, covers Eastern Staten Island and parts of Southern Brooklyn. Democrats thought they had a shot there. Um, another race on the Western side, Michael Cusick, who was a Democrat, represented that area for many years, facing uh, a Republican named Anthony DeGuerre, um, you know, shouldn't have been at risk given that he was a well-established incumbent, but because of the Trump phenomenon, I thought there could have been uh, some potential action there. And as we saw in the results um, that, you know, Cusick was narrowly trailing uh, the uh, person who was hoping to win Malitakis' seat, the, the Democrat, Brandon Patterson, well behind Michael Tenusis, the Republican who was the nominee there. So evidently the Demo Dems did not have a shot there. And uh, the congressional race itself, Max Rose has not conceded as of now, but faces an extremely difficult battle um, down by about 37,000 votes with maybe 40,000 or so um, absentee ballots out there. Um, it's unclear exactly how many they are. He's hoping for that number and he has to hope that they go 100% his way. So um, interesting races and they continue to be interesting even as you said, two days after election day. Yeah, and let's talk a little more about the Rose Maliotakis race. Um, obviously, um, Rose won that seat two years ago uh, and that was the first time it had turned blue. Uh, and so it wasn't kind of a given that he was going to retain that seat. I think that we had had coverage that it was going to be like the fight of his life, right? This election. Um, what were you seeing out there on Staten Island in terms of sentiment? Um, I know that um, you and the other staff, uh, there were dueling um, kind of volunteers for both campaigns really out and about and the presence was really there. Um, did anything surprise you that day or what, what was the kind of like feeling on the streets um, and by some of these polling stations? So I spent most of the day in central and southern Staten Island. Um, I started uh, just after six in Tottenville and kind of worked my way up. And so that is more Republican territory. The North Shore of Staten Island is where you have 
uh, more racially diverse communities and more Democrats. So I was in definitely Republican Trump country. And that was obvious. You know, there were volunteers at the sites for Republicans, very few Democrats visible down there. What was really striking to me was the number of signs on lawns, on telephone poles, on businesses, signs of various different kind of designs and themes targeting Max Rose and being pretty aggressive and vitriolic about it, um, citing his vote to impeach President Trump, um, citing his alleged alliance with Bill de Blasio, which does not exist, and support for bail reform, which never occurred. Various other things that kind of played very fast and loose, if not outright deceptive with facts. Um, a big poster citing something he said about Italian Americans in New York Magazine last year, making fun of them for uh, men kissing other men at a restaurant, an offhand comment. He was depicted as being anti-Italian. So uh, just a lot of, of really strong sentiment against Rose. Uh, and I think that, you know, he was always going to have a difficult race. As you mentioned, this is a seat that he defeated a Republican two years ago um, in 2018 by about 52 to 48%. President Trump won that same congressional district two years earlier in 16, 53 to 47% or something. So Rose had to, in 2018, basically get people theoretically who had voted for Trump to vote for him in an election where Trump was under threat, where Trump's forces came out strong across the country and in Staten Island, he was gonna have a very difficult time uh, overcoming that. Uh, I think that um, the fact that his strategy was to try to minimize his separation from the president, you know, he talked in his ads about his willingness to work with Trump. He talked in the debate about being able to partner with Trump. I don't think that paid off for him. Uh, because I think that it was clear that Mali Takas was, was closer to the president, was endorsed by the president. Um, so I think hindsight is 2020, but um, it's quite possible Rose maybe should have uh, avoided trying to align himself with Trump and, and more vociferously advocate for, for Joe Biden because uh, you know he was facing this huge wave anyway. This is a district that uh, has been Republican for the most part. Um, uh, the guy who is now the Staten Island uh, DA, Mike McMahon, held it for one term uh, a few years back, but was quickly ousted. Um, so, you know, I think the thing is, if, if Rose should pull out a victory, which is unlikely, um, he will probably face tough races for the rest of his life because this district is just always going to be a swing district. Yeah, and so obviously that is one that we might see kind of revert back to red. Um, and I think we saw that happen in some other, or, or it looks like it might be heading in that direction for some of the other state races as well. Um, do you know the latest in terms of that like 63rd district, the 64th, um, and sort of what um, it looks like is gonna be happening there? I know that the 63rd district, Michael Cusick, um, I believe he's the 63rd, um, is um, within the margin that could be eclipsed by outstanding absentee ballots. So I think that race is still too close to call. Uh, the 64th was a wide margin. I don't think Brandon Patterson has a shot there. The 22nd is a Senate seat, which is not, actually not in Staten Island, but is in Southern Brooklyn, Bay Ridge and Gravesend, the Southern Coast there. Angie Gennardis won that two years ago, ousting longtime Republican Marty Golden. He was facing a tough race this time, another district that Trump won in 2016 against Vito Bruno, the Republican, a nightclub owner. Um, Unitas was behind there. I think that margin also could be eclipsed by absentee ballots, but it was a larger margin than in the assembly races. Um, so that was fascinating. You know, looking beyond that, 
Um, there was an a couple of assembly seats the Democrats thought were givens, where at least in the early count, they were behind. The big story, I think, statewide is the state Senate. As you know, Democrats thought they might be able to achieve a supermajority, which would allow them basically to operate against the veto of uh, Governor Cuomo. Um, they were hoping to secure some of the 10 seats that Republicans have uh, basically abandoned, not abandoned, have left open by retiring or leaving to seek higher office, as well as defend three or four seats on Long Island and one upstate that were seen as vulnerable. And in the early returns, while some of it was very close, um, it did not look good at all. Some of those uh, Long Island senators looked to be in big trouble and Democrats seem to be picking up maybe two of those upstate seats, but not nearly as many as they had hoped. So um, fairly kind of dismal showing. I think like in many ways, kind of like the national picture, right? Like Joe Biden won New York big, Donald Trump also won a lot of votes in New York state, maybe more than he did last time. Down ballot though, things got much more complicated for Democrats. Yeah, um, it seems like you said that the a lot of the progress that Democrats were looking to make on the national level um, and were let down. Um, it's a similar dynamic happening in the state. What do you think happened? Do you have any kind of like thoughts on sort of why things went the way they went? Is it, um, you know, has New York not kind of had any maybe the backlash around the Trump presidency hasn't sort of trickled down further or any thoughts on sort of um what was driving the sentiments that we're seeing now in the ballots on Tuesday? I think that Republicans are now claiming that they had a very good get at the vote operation and that that might very well be, they might've put money and effort into that, just getting people out to the polls. I think Democrats might've been relying to some degree on anti-Trump fervor as driving that. And I think when you rely on that, the problem is if polls suggest that the guy is gonna win anyway, you might have less interest. And obviously people knew Joe Biden was gonna win New York state they thought he was going to win the country maybe fairly easily based on pre-election polls. Obviously it is much closer than that. So they may have been sort of uh, deceived by, by those early polls and surveys. I think also that when it comes to the state races and others, Republicans seized on issues like bail reform um, and, and really hit those homes, sometimes stretching facts or outright lying about them. But they found an issue to latch onto that was compelling that spoke to people's kind of deepest fears. Democrats really didn't offer anything like that. Democrats said, Donald Trump is a terrible guy and we're not. Um, and I think that that was just not enough to power people to, to go down ballot. Um, and I think that's why you saw some of the Democrats you know, being made vulnerable and perhaps ousted from office and Democrats having less success here than they hoped at picking up seats is that I think there was an over-reliance on the national ticket and a Trump fervor. And this might be true for the national picture as well. Everyone's asking the question today, even if Joe Biden wins, why the hell is it so close against this guy in the midst of a pandemic? Um, and I think the answer is gonna be a lot of different things, but I think the question of messaging is gonna be very, very big. What was the reason to vote democratic this year besides the fact that Donald Trump sucks? I'm not sure. It really was one. I don't know what they were promising to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously now it's um, two days 
out of the election on November 5th. Um, and besides anxiously waiting to see what the ultimate outcome of the presidential race will be, what are you looking towards for the future? Um, big stories that you're uh, anticipating coming up over the next several months, um, especially here on the local level when it comes to politics. Um, what do you think sort of like now that we're in the post-election um, period, uh, what is the fallout of that gonna be? Or is there anything that you're looking forward to in terms of coverage um, from here on out? I think the federal picture still looms large. The fact that Democrats apparently have not seized control of the U.S. Senate could have an effect on one of the big post-election questions for New York, which is what's going to happen about aid to the city. Um, as you know, the city faces serious deficits, uh, the state as well, and the MTA faces a potentially crippling one that the state would almost certainly have to close if the feds don't, and that will have devastating effects on services, on 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 teachers, you know, I, uh, half of my household is paid by the state government. So I have a personal interest in that. So that's very, very, very big. Obviously in New York, the attention is gonna shift to back to managing the pandemic, whether there'll be a, a third or a fourth wave, whatever we're in now or not. And the early stages of the 2021 mayoral campaign are well underway. We have a crowded field now. It's expanded quite a bit recently. Corey Johnson has dropped out, but Ray McGuire, uh, Curtis Sliwa, uh, uh, Jacob, uh, uh, Zach Iskol, uh, Carlos Manchaca have all jumped in. It's now a much more crowded and interesting race than it was a few weeks ago, uh, Maya Wiley as well. Um, so seeing how that race develops and, and what it focuses on and whether if Trump is gone, there is a change in kind of the tenure, tenor of local politics would be interesting. Um, be interesting to see if the focus shifts, if the temperature changes, all that will be very much on the radar screen in the next few weeks. Well, great. Thank you, Jarrett. Thank you, Jim Marie. Pleasure to talk to you. Okay. That was um, Jarrett Murphy, executive editor at City Limits, um, catching us up on what happened this week with the election and some of the big stories. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And um, be sure to check back next week where we'll be, where we'll be having another conversation um, about some of the reporting that we're doing here at City Limits. Um, and you can follow along with all of our coverage at citylimits.org. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you.